This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a TGIF wake-up call. It is Friday, the 17th of June, 2022, and it is a beautiful morning. It's going to be another hot one down here in the southeast. Hope you are uh, cool where you are. Uh, I, again, the heat uh, really has taken hold of the eastern part of the country, although I see up in the northeast it's supposed to cool off a little bit, so... Uh, uh, enjoy that because I'll tell you what, we have been absolutely sweltering down here. Uh, all right, we got a lot to get to this morning. Uh, I talked yesterday on the show about what a big day in Boston it was for sports. And uh, uh, I guess outside of the U.S. Open, it was uh, a dud if you were a Boston fan. Uh, we'll start off with uh, last night's NBA Finals game, the uh, Golden State Warriors. Uh, win their fourth title in the last eight years. They beat the Celtics last night. Uh, really, uh, they embarrassed the Celtics last night. They win the game 103-90. to But, you know, this was uh, outside of the initial run by the Celtics. The Celtics got off to a 14-2 start. 14-2 start. And you were like, okay, you know, this is what we had kind of hoped to see. It looks like maybe there's going to be a game seven. Great. Here we go. The problem is, is that from that point on, it was all Warriors. At one point in the first quarter, the Warriors ran off 21 straight points. It was part of a 35-8 to run after the Celtics took that 14-2 to lead. It was brutal. They, they led by as much as 22. The Celtics never really challenged after that. They got it to single digits once, I think, in the uh, third quarter. And then right after they did that, the Warriors uh, got it back up to 16 almost right away. So the Celtics just never found a way to get things going. Why? Well, a few things. And you can put this right at the feet of Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. Jesus, did I just say that? Man. Well, no, well, we, well I guess we could because Boston fans want to blame Kyrie Irving for any, everything. But no, uh, J- Jason Tatum was brutal. Brutal. He had 13 points last night, 6 of 18 from the field. But it wasn't just that. It was the turnovers. By Tatum, by Marcus Smart, it was uh, they had 22 turnovers last night, and that magic number was 16. When they commit more than 16 turnovers, they just they can't beat anybody. And I'm telling you, 
some of these turnovers were just stupid, ridiculous kinds of things. Trying to make passes that aren't there, uh, you know, trying to be cute. You know, look, these guys, these guys play at a level that most of us don't understand. I get that. I mean, I was, you know, I was a high school and a college coach, but uh, I wasn't coaching players of this caliber. These guys can do things that none of us can do. So when I say, well, it was a stupid pass, so, you know, the pass wasn't there, it was ridiculous. But I'm still, I'm telling you, I don't care what kind of level you play at. Uh, some of the things that they did last night were just stupid. Um, now, having said that, you know, you have to look at, Always look on the bright side of life, as uh, the my friends from Monty Python like, like to say. But, you know, when you think about this, after 50 games, right, with just about oh, about 30 games left in the season, the Celtics were a 500 team. And they were unconscious for the rest of the regular season and the playoffs to get to the NBA Finals. With, you know, with 31 games left in the regular season, nobody thought they were getting to the NBA Finals. Nobody. So you have to give them credit for that. But Jason Tatum, with the exception of a big game against Miami, a buzzer beater against the Bucks, Jason Tatum was just eh. You know, he had he had a few moments, but he was not the guy that they needed him to be in these playoffs. And you say, well, Gene, they got to the final, and every other team in the NBA would have loved to have gotten the chance to get to the NBA finals. I get that, but for a guy that is your franchise player, he's got to be better than that. You know, and I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna say, well, this is like Michael Jordan coming up short because, you know, Jason Tatum, as good as he is, isn't Michael Jordan in his prime, not even close. But if you are the, if you are quote unquote the man, you have got to be the man in big spots, and and uh, Jason Tatum came up short uh, in this NBA Finals. There's no other way to put it. Uh, but look, the Warriors are a good team. The Warriors, you know, they have the biggest payroll in the NBA. They should win, right? Uh, you know, the fourth title for Steph Curry, he's named the MVP of the NBA Finals uh, for the first time in his career. Uh, look, a guy with that many titles, he goes down in history as, as uh, one of the best. I mean, he's already we already know that he's the best three-point shooter in the history of the game. He's hit more than anybody else, and some of the ones he hits are just ridiculous. Uh, has no conscience. He'll shoot from anywhere, but uh, very talented guy. And I'll tell you what, he's a very likable guy. One of the things I always like about Steph Curry, he's not one of these guys that's out there sulking and uh, you know uh, have an attitude with the fans. He is a guy that embraces uh, uh, the fans, he embraces the celebrity. He embraces what he does for a living. And I look, I like the guy. So I, I don't have, you know, and, uh, as much as I would have liked to have seen the Celtics win their 18th championship, you know, I, I have a hard time saying, well, geez, you know, uh, the best team didn't win because the best team did win. 
You know, and we can say, look, the Celtics were bigger, they were stronger, they should have won this series, and we're not necessarily wrong. However, Steph Curry came up big when he needed to come up big. And the Celtics' big men did not. Now, Jalen Brown had a great game last night. He tried his best. You know, the other guy I was very disappointed with in this series was Marcus Smart. And I know he was the, you know, NBA Defensive Player of the Year, and but uh, uh, a lot of silly turnovers, a lot of shot selection, not very good. And he whines too damn much to the referees, just too damn much. But uh, that was an absolute uh, pff, uh, flop last night. It was just, it was tough to watch. I, as a matter of fact, I turned it off. Uh, for a while, I went back to it and I watched the, through the midway through the third quarter to the end of the game, or to the last couple of minutes when you knew it was over. Um, but there was a point when the uh, Warriors got up twenty-two in the second quarter. I just, I can't watch this anymore. I, it was you know it was painful, so I turned it off. But congratulations! Look, you know four championships in eight years. You know that that puts this team right up there. With one of the best of all time. I mean, you know what? Five of the guys on this team are mem- all f- members of all four of those championship teams. So, you know, when you think about that, you start talking and putting those guys' names in uh, conversations with people like uh, Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, guys that were parts of dynasties. And this Golden State Warrior team, whether you like it or not, is a dynasty. Four wins in eight years qualifies. And for Steve Kerr, how about him? How about five uh, titles as a player and four as a coach? He's he's got nine of them. This is like uh, it's like ho hum stuff for him. But as he said, you know, with all the injuries and stuff they had a couple of years ago, they had the worst record in the NBA because they couldn't keep people healthy. And now here they are two years later and they win again. So uh, tough way to end the year. But look, if you're the Celtics, here's the deal. You, you know, you've got the the bulk of this team coming back. And hopefully, you know, next year, Robert Williams, after getting that knee repaired, he'll be 100% healthy because I tell you what, I think he's a a big difference maker. He wasn't in in this series when he played, even when he wasn't 100%. So you'll have him back next year. You know, you've got Tatum and Brown and Smart. You know, uh, whether Al Horford comes back to play, probably probably not. He's 36 years old. You don't know uh, whether he'll come back. But the Celtics got to do a better job. They've got to get more depth. Their bench really hurt. The fact that they didn't have a bench in the NBA Finals really hurt them. Uh, in, in the first in the first quarter and a half of that game last night, the Celtics bench was like a minus fifty. You know, and they and and you know the uh, the Warriors got guys coming off the bench pouring in points like there's no tomorrow, and that really hurt the Celtics when your big guys have to play that many minutes. And it could be you know you know when I'm saying that that uh, Tatum came up small and some of these other guys didn't do what you expected them to do, you know, it could just be that the amount of minutes that they had to play over an extended period of time eventually caught up to them. So, but anyway, tough, tough way to end it. Uh, the other big event yesterday in uh, the Boston area, of course, the U.S. Open Golf Tournament. And uh, uh, a lot of talk about whether the guys from the LIV Tour would be heckled by the fans, whether there would be any um, uh, uncomfortable situations with players that chose to play on the PGA Tour and those that didn't. And the answer is um, no. Uh, Matter of fact, from all accounts, 
you know, everybody that talked about this thing said, uh, you know, like, for instance, Dustin Johnson, you know, the, the guys that play with him in the group, is the DJ is still DJ. I mean, it, it, the guys seem to respect the decisions that, you know, other players made, despite what, you know, players like Rory McIlroy and John Rahm and some of these other guys have come out and said. I don't think it was a – it wasn't a personal attack for Rory McIlroy. It was more like, hey, you know, I, I don't understand, you know, what we're doing here. But he didn't go out and and specifically uh, go after anybody in particular other than Greg Norman. <laughs> um, but what was a difference yesterday is these guys that joined that new golf tour were a combined 53 over par on day one at the U.S. Open. So not a good showing. Outside of Dustin Johnson and the U.S. Amateur Champion James Piat, those were the only two guys from that tour that are playing in the U.S. Open that were under par. Uh, DJ, I think, shot a, uh, a 68, a 200 par 68, and Piat was uh, with a 69 sitting in 14th place. But outside of that, it was carnage. Led, led by Phil Mickelson. Phil Mickelson had a 78, 8 over par after the first day. He's in 144th place. He's not making the cut. Not that anybody expected him to win the thing. He's 51. He'll be 52 this weekend. Um, but he's not making the cut. Louis Oosthuizen, 77. Sergio Garcia, 74. Brandon Grace, 75. Or, excuse me, 76. Uh, Kevin Na, 75. There, it was brutal. So, but, and the fans... You know there was there was some heckling. You know, you know, calling people the, you know, the, you're you're a traitor, you're the worst ever. But that was the minority. Other than that, uh, Phil Mickelson got a lot of love. Unfortunately, his golf game didn't help. But uh, the fans were okay. You know, and I'm glad to see that. I thought it was going to be worse, and it wasn't. Um. You know, now we'll see, you know, if, if we go down the stretch and it's, uh, you know, a guy from, if it's Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy going down uh, to the finish, we'll see. But uh, anyway, Rory McIlroy is in second place, fired a three under par, uh, 67. He's a stroke back of Ke Kevin Hadwin from uh, Canada. He's in first place at four under par. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, look, it, we're, we're looking at a, a, a good tournament. Um we could be looking at a tournament where there is a lot of guys making the cut because the the field is so tightly packed right now, and the weather isn't going to be brutal today, so we could have more of the same. Uh, we could have a lot of guys going into the, the field, uh, into the final two rounds, like over 80 golfers, which is very unusual. Um. It, the, the cut is supposed to be, after 36 holes of play, uh, 60 players with the lowest scores plus ties advance to play on the weekend. Well, right now, you have uh, 79 players that, are in, that would qualify for that right now based on uh, the scores and the ties. So it could be... Uh, uh, a little bit more packed on Sunday and Saturday and Sunday than we're used to, but uh, the car, the course looked great. The golf was pretty good. I I was uh, 
switching back and forth. And, you know, it was, I mean, Phil Mickelson had a four putt. I think it was on the sixth hole or something. A four putt. Um, so, but the, the I think it played well. I mean, that's a very old course. The U.S. Open hadn't been there since, I think, 1988. Uh, the last time it was really part of a, a major thing was back when it was hosted the Ryder Cup back in 99. But the course looked great. And I think that uh, uh, it held up very, very well. So uh, good golf coming on the weekend. But we're not going to see Phil uh, unless uh, some miracle. Yeah, he'd have to go out today and shoot probably a 65 to have a shot. And that's not going to happen. Not at that age. Not on that course. Not with those conditions. So that's where we're at as far as uh, the day in Boston went yesterday. The Red Sox uh, made it an even worse day. They lost in the afternoon. So we'll get to them in just a minute. Um, but yeah, not a. Uh, it was supposed to be one of the greatest sports days in Boston in a long, long time with everything going on, and it was a. It just did not uh, did not go well uh, for Boston fans yesterday. Um, before we get to the Red Sox loss yesterday, uh, there was an owners' meeting yesterday. Rob Manfred had a uh, press conference, as he always does after these things, and. God knows I don't really want to listen to Rob Manfred talking a whole hell of a lot. But some interesting things that did come out of his press conference yesterday. Uh, He said that the pitch clocks that they are using in the minor leagues, and it looks like it is headed for the major leagues for sure next year, the pitch clocks being used in the minor leagues this season have knocked off an average of 29 minutes a game. A half an hour. Shorter games with this pitch clock. The average time through June 14th of last year was three hours and four minutes. This year it is two hours and 35 minutes. Folks, if they can get Major League Baseball games down to two hours and 35 minutes, it can only help this sport. This is, I mean, I can't emphasize enough how much of a supporter I am of pitch clocks. Now, the only reason the pitch clocks are even necessary is because the game has changed in such a way that guys are, are you know, getting in the batter's box and adjusting every piece of uh, clothing they have and their cup and their gloves and every damn thing else. Um, and so, you know, and, and the pitchers are walking around a mile. We got to grab the rosin bag. We got to adjust the cap. We got to, you know, I mean, uh, so it, it isn't that the game has changed. It's that the players have changed and the way that they play the game, you know, the way that they take their times, you know, and again, at the risk of being the get off my lawn guy, when I was a kid and we were watching baseball, you threw a pitch, you got it back from the catcher, you got the sign, you threw a pitch. Guys weren't stepping out of the box. Guys weren't walking around the mound. Guys weren't taking 18 days to get the damn sign from the catcher. It the game moved. So if we can if if we can get the games down to the two hour and a half, two hours and forty five minutes, it is a huge thing. You'll still have the outlier every now and then, but that would be huge. Triple A's doing it with uh, it's it's a pitch clock of fourteen seconds with no runners on, and uh, nineteen seconds with runners on base. I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're talking about a 20-second one in the major leagues if, when they implement it next year. But I'm telling you what, this is great news. Please let this happen. 
Uh, the other thing that they're talking about uh, for next year is p- the potential of stopping all the shifting. And again, you can say, well, the batter should make the adjustment. They've been shifting for years, yada, yada. It's, but the problem is, is that it has gotten ridiculous. It's not a matter of the game necessarily changing as it is the fact that uh, we've just taken things to an extreme level. And now in, in AA and Class A this year, they're experimenting with the shifting rules, and it, you have to have four players on the infield, so no more five ma- or four-man outfields or a guy playing short right field or short left field. So you have to have four guys on the infield and two on either side of second base. I'm okay with that. And, you know, there's a lot of people screaming about it saying, well, you know, look, they used to shift for Ted Williams. They used to do this. That's true. But at the same time, every other sport adjusts and has made adjustments to the way they play the game and things that the position, the certain position players can do and can't do. I mean, look, you know, it used to be uh, uh, they had rules in the NBA about uh, about you know players being in a lane for three seconds and where you could be and where you couldn't be and what could be a charge, what couldn't be a charge. And they've adjusted those rules over the years. The NFL has adjusted things over the years about – uh, you know, how your linemen can set up and, and what players can be where. It, look, it ha- the games evolve. And you have to, you have to make adjustments to games, uh, to sports, for the benefit of the fans. Let's not forget, this is about the fans. And it's gotten to the point, because of all the shifting and everything, that we've gotten to that all-or-nothing thing. It's been like, okay, well, you're going to shift. Fine. You know what I'm going to do? We're going to change our swing. We're going to have an uppercut swing, and we're going to try to just hit everything out of the park. And then, you know what? Eh, if we don't hit it out of the park, we're going to strike out. It's boring. It's boring. You know, one thing that's been great to see this year, there have been more players going the other way. I watch, a, I watch every Red Sox game. And watching guys like J.D. Martinez and Rafi Devers and Xander Bogarts taking the ball to the opposite field, taking what the pitcher gives them. That's the way it used to be. And guys are starting to do that. And it's beating the shift in a lot of, to- a lot of times. And you can say, well, they're doing that. Why can't everybody else do it? Well, again, maybe we'll get to a point where we get back to the way we used to hit just based because we're going to start playing the game the way we used to play it. We didn't have shifting on everybody. So I'm really in favor of that. The other good news that came out of this, the robot umps are not close to coming to Major League Baseball. People want to scream every time there's a ball or strike call miss, something like that, people are screaming, oh, my God, we got to have robot umpires. I, that's the last thing I want. Jesus, I mean, let's – you know, we've, we've already gotten to the point where we have so many replays that we're taking the flow out of the game, and it's just uh, it's brutal. You know, and we're, and we're taking all the human element out of baseball, which has always been part of it. Hell, half the fun of, of a lot of things is arguing, you know, oh, my God, if the umpire hadn't done this or the umpire hadn't done that. Hey, it happens. You know, it's just like in the NFL – you know, where they'll call holding on a play or they'll call pass interference on a play or they'll call roughing the passer on a play that you don't agree with. This is no different. 
it's a human element of the game, and I'm all for it. So, and the reason that the robot umpires are not close to coming to Major League Baseball is because they're not good enough. It's flawed. You know, everybody thinks it's perfect, but the problem is, is that with a three-dimensional strike zone, it is very difficult. It's not like in tennis, you know, where they have the eye in the sky and you can see exactly where a ball hits. Does it hit the line or does it not hit the line? You know, baseball, it's up, down, in, out, and the ball moves. It's going, you know, it's where it crosses the plate, not where it finishes up in the catcher's glove. So there's a lot to that, and the 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 robot umpires aren't ready. So I'm good with that. I'm happy about that. Uh, so that was that was some good news that came out of. Uh, you may actually heard stuff out of Rob Manfred's mouth. I was glad to hear. Uh, the other thing he, he focused on yesterday was uh, the uh, athletics and the race about what's going to happen with the stadium. And he said that his biggest concern right now is the Rays down in Tropicana Field, which I find interesting because the Rays have a, a lease in in uh, the Trop until 2027. So they're not going anywhere for the next five years. They can't. Um, the A's lease expires after the 2024 season in two years. I'd be more concerned about that. But he's like, well, you know, it's. Uh, uh, I think there's more going on. in California political processes are their own sort of animal and yada, yada, yada. Um, and he said, look, and he said, I think the A's have prudently, you know, continued to pursue the Las Vegas alternative. We like Las Vegas as a market. Um, he said, but it's the same category as Tampa. We need a solution in both markets, and the time has come for that. Well, I agree. And so I got, you know what? If, if they want to move the A's to Vegas, knock yourself out. Great. You know what? It is a good market. There's, you know, I mean, uh, the whole gambling thing, that's, that's you know, that, that ship has sailed. And I would love to see the Rays out of Tampa and into Nashville. We need a baseball team in Nashville. That, look, Nashville is a great sports town. There's a lot of baseball fans there. Their AAA team draws very, very well. Um, the Predators draw well. The Tennessee Titans draw well. I think we need to have a baseball team in Nashville. So, fine. Get Tampa out of there. Move them to Nashville. Let the A's go to, uh, to Vegas. Problem solved. Uh, look, we haven't had a team move since 2005. That's when the Expos became the Washington Nationals. But it's time. It's time. We got. I mean, the, the Tropicana feels embarrassing. A, it's a dump. I mean, it's just it's the most boring place ever. But B, they don't draw. You got a team that wins all the time, and you can't. You you're putting ten ten thousand people in the ballpark. It's embarrassing. I guarantee you that wouldn't happen in Nashville. So I would love to see that happen sooner rather than later. It's a 32 minutes past here. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll actually get to some baseball news on the field. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake-Up Call on Sports Country. It is 35 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake-Up Call here on a Friday morning. Welcome to those of you listening online uh, through Live 365. Welcome to those of you watching on Facebook. I know Facebook, we're, we're struggling a little bit with our uh, video quality this morning. Um my tin can uh, internet service out here. I I tell you what I have, I've about had it with this this whole HughesNet thing. It's just brutal. I know it's look you know HughesNet is I shouldn't kill it. I mean it's a godsend for people like me that are out in the sticks and don't have access to fiber and uh, you know and and it's all we got. I mean it's, it was this or or uh, like uh, it, this is I I have the 2022 equivalent of dial up service. 
although like my sister said without that annoying noise from the modem that we used to have remember those days but that's pretty much what i have um but uh, elon musk and starlink are supposedly going to be in this area uh they're going to have the satellites uh, ready for us by the end of uh, the summer so i'm hoping to hell uh to have better internet by the end of the summer and hopefully it'll make the uh, picture quality on facebook better as well uh all right uh, on the field yesterday the red sox uh, had an opportunity to sweep the Oakland Athletics for the second time this season. Couldn't do it. Uh, they lose to the A's 4-3. to three. And th- this was a frustrating game to watch if you, are, uh, if you are a Red Sox fan. I mean, the Red Sox had guys on base all day. But they went 1-for-14 with runners in scoring position. One for 14. They had 11 hits. They left 13 guys on base. You know, and if not for an error uh, in the eighth inning, they probably end up uh, with only one run in this game. It was absolutely frustrating as hell. Um, Rich Hill was not very good. You know, he has struggled. Uh, now, he doesn't walk anybody, which is great. Goes five and two-thirds, but he gives up seven hits and four runs. And, uh, uh, you know, Blackburn, Paul Blackburn, <laughs> this guy is a hell of a story. You know, I mean, look, this is a guy that uh, does not have a lot of history of success in Major League Baseball. He's 32 years old, kind of knocked around for a while with a few teams. Scattered eight hits yesterday, only gave up one run in five and uh, a third innings. But it is, when you look at this guy, it's, uh, it's absolutely amazing. Actually, I shouldn't say he, that's not the. He, he's actually only pitched with the A's. I shouldn't say he uh, pitched for several teams. I was thinking of somebody else, but he's got six wins this year, folks. He had six wins in the previous five years combined. And by the way, in the previous five years combined, he had an ERA somewhere around six. So all of a sudden, this guy has found it. And it's funny how pitchers will do that sometimes. But here he is. Uh, yesterday, and this year now, 6-2 and two with a 2-2-8 ERA and 13 starts. Before the season, if somebody asked you to pick Paul Blackburn out of a lineup, you couldn't have done it. And then a good job by the, uh, the bullpen. A.J. Puck comes out and gets uh, Blackburn out of some trouble in the sixth inning. Uh, and again, it was really just an error that hurt them. Uh, Jimenez came on, uh, got the final four outs, ended up picking up his 11th save of the season. He saved half of the Athletics' wins. That was just their 22nd win of the year. But a game that the Red Sox had several opportunities to win. Uh, They hurt themselves a little bit. A miscommunication between Jaron Duran and Trevor Story resulted in like this uh, pop-fly double, which uh, ended up uh, killing the Red Sox back in the third inning. Uh, It's a ball that I think Duran probably should have had Trevor Story was backing up from his second base position. He was going back, going back, because the wind was blowing out, and Duran was coming in on the ball, and he didn't call for it, and it ended up falling behind Story. Um, but uh, a tough loss, no question about it. Uh, again, give the Red Sox bullpen some credit. After Hill went out, uh, they did a good job of keeping the game close and giving them an opportunity to win. Three hits in the game for J.D. Martinez. He's got his batting average up to three fifty one. Uh, Rafi Devers got hit by a pitch again in the elbow, the same damn place he got hit the other night uh, against Seattle. 
and he was pissed. He was really pissed when he got hit. Uh, A.J. Puck hit him. Uh, that's the 11th time the Red Sox have been hit with a pitch in the last 13 games. Uh, it's kind of crazy, you know, and uh, look, you know, Alex Cora is frustrated about it, and, you know, he's like, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to put other teams in jeopardy. So basically saying I'm not going to start throwing at other teams because we're getting hit. But uh, I think the Red Sox have had about enough of that. Um, Kike Hernandez is getting close to coming back. He's probably going to go on a short rehab assignment next week. Um, and uh, the news yesterday, though, was before the game, Chris Sale threw another live uh, batting practice or bullpen session on the field and looked great. Threw, you know, 95-ish miles an hour. Uh, he threw 32 pitches, 16 strikes for two innings, um, and unofficially he got a couple of strikeouts, a walk, two groundouts, and a fly ball. And what Alex Cora said the best part about this is, is he said what he was throwing in that bullpen yesterday was better than he threw the ball last year when he was coming off a of Tommy John surgery. Because don't forget, you know, this is a rib injury. So they're not concerned about his arm. This is just making sure that he's okay and that rib is okay. And uh, he threw a couple of change-ups yesterday that I guess were phenomenal. So uh, Alex Cora is like, yeah, if, if this is the way he's going to throw the ball, we're in great shape. So uh, he is probably going to pitch another simulated game early next week, and then he's going to start a minor league rehab assignment. So we are getting closer and closer and closer to Chris Sale coming back. So uh, that is real good news. The Red Sox will play the St. Louis Cardinals tonight. Uh, Michael Walker gets to play against his old team. Uh, it's a three-game series. Uh, Walker spent his first seven seasons of his career with the Cardinals and won a World Series with the Cardinals, or excuse me, lost the World Series with the Cardinals to the Boston Red Sox. Adam Wainwright, the age, the ageless wonder, 40 years old, he is going to uh, pitch for the Cardinals tonight. Wainwright's 5-4, and four, but he's got an ERA of 2.84. Uh, Red Sox will also, of course, get a look at uh, Albert Pujols this weekend in his final season. Uh, I hope they do something nice for Albert. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if there's anything planned like that, but uh, I hope they do something for him uh, uh, as kind of a, uh, a send-off. Uh, one person they will not see is Yadier Molina. Uh, Molina is going to go on the DL. Um, he uh, He's only played in a little over half of the games for the Cardinals this year. He has been dealing with some knee soreness, and uh, it has gotten so bad that the uh, Cardinals have decided to put him on the injured list, so he will not be in that series this weekend. Um, not a bad, you know, I mean, his bat, I mean, he's only hitting 213 this year, but the thing with Molina is he's such a great defensive catcher. Uh, he's, he's great at catching base runners, uh, so not having him in the lineup uh, while maybe not uh, uh, that big a deal offensively, is going to be a big deal defensively for this Cardinal team and, uh, and a benefit for the Red Sox. Uh, the break the Red Sox did get yesterday despite losing to the Athletics. Uh, the Jays also lost. Somehow the uh, Toronto Blue Jays got absolutely hammered by the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, although I make fun of the Orioles, but uh, they do have 28 wins this year. They're 28 and 37. They're nine games under 500, but they are better uh, than they have been the last few years. There's no question about that. But Kevin Gaussman was facing the Orioles, the team that drafted him for the first time, uh, and he got belted. Two and a third innings, seven hits, and f seven runs. Worst outing of the season for him. Uh, uh, Tyler Wells went six innings for the Orioles, uh, only allowed one run on five hits. 
Uh, so a big win uh, for the Baltimore Orioles. The Jays with the loss and the win by the Yankees. The Jays are now 10 back. Um, the Jays have a three-game series with the Yankees this weekend. Ross Stripling is going to get the start for the Blue Jays tonight. He will take on Jordan Montgomery of the Yankees, and the Orioles uh, start a three-game series at the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, so I mentioned the Yankees beating the Rays, and they did it with a walk-off home run. It was Anthony Rizzo, his 16th of the season, with one out in the bottom of the ninth inning. There were only seven hits in this game. It was a well-pitched game. Uh, Clark Schmidt got a spot start for the Yankees last night. He wasn't supposed to be the starter. Luis Severino was supposed to, but he got placed on the COVID-19 list. So Schmidt comes on, pitches three shutout innings, and uh, then the bullpen does a good job. Michael King winds up getting the win with a scoreless uh, ninth inning and uh, picks up his fourth win of the year. Jalen Beeks. Uh, was a spot starter for the uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. Two perfect innings. Uh, Whistler comes out of the bullpen. Two perfect innings. I mean, they only gave up three hits, unfortunately for the uh, or four hits, but unfortunately for the uh, Rays, uh, the last one left the ballpark. Uh, this game was uh, played in two hours and thirty eight minutes. It's a beautiful thing. But the Yankees now forty seven and 16, 14 straight wins at home. The last time they won more than that at home was back in 1961 in the original Yankee Stadium. The one that Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio and Babe Ruth played in. Uh, they won 15 in a row there from August 16th to September 26th back in 1961. Uh, and that was, of course, when Roger Maris was chasing the home run record that was held by Babe Ruth at the time. So uh, the Yankees are just unconscious. But at the end of the day, this is going to be judged on how they do in the postseason. You know, if they run through the regular season and win 115 games and can't win in the playoffs, uh, it's going to be considered a, a failure. Remember the year that the uh, Seattle Mariners set like a major league record for wins in a season and then got bounced in the first round of the playoffs? I mean, you don't remember that anymore because it didn't. they didn't go on to win anything. It's kind of like what happened to Bruce Cassidy this year, uh, the uh, – uh, the coach for the Boston Bruins. You know, they go through the regular season, have 100 and something plus points, which is a phenomenal thing to do in, the, in a regular season in the NHL. They get bounced in the first round of the playoffs, and Bruce Cassidy loses his job. Now, I'm not saying that Brett Boone's going to lose his job if they do this and they can't win in the playoffs. But I'm also saying that if they do this and don't win in the playoffs, he could lose his job. I mean, it's it's one of those things where at the end of the day, people care about championships, and especially in New York, where their World Series drought has gone on for some 15-plus years now, and that does not sit well uh, with Yankee fans. When Red Sox fans can sit back and say, hey, we've won like three or four titles since you won your last one. Jeez, what's going on? That does not play well in New York City. 47 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 49 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Friday morning. Uh, other news in New York yesterday in baseball, the New York Mets, where they come from behind victory, they end up beating the Milwaukee Brewers 5-4. to four. So for the Mets now, 42-23, and 23, they pick up a half a game on the idle Atlanta Braves. Uh, the Braves with, uh, are four and a half back, of course. They have won 14 in a row, and the Braves are looking forward to this weekend uh, because they get to play 
the Chicago Cubs, uh, the Cubs have lost uh, 10 in a row and are just absolutely awful. So uh, uh, the Mets are going to have to uh, uh, keep things going. But they end up winning it 5-4. Uh, to four, um, And uh, that was despite the fact that Tyler McGill, their starting pitcher, left in the fourth inning with some right shoulder discomfort. He is going to have an MRI today. Uh, keeping pitchers healthy has been a problem for the Mets. Uh, the good news for the Mets, uh, Max Scherzer threw 50 pitches in a simulated game. Uh, yesterday, if he continues to feel okay after that, he's probably going to make a minor league rehab start next Tuesday, and then he could return to the Mets very quickly uh, after that. The Mets now, after beating Milwaukee yesterday, uh, will take on Miami. It's a four-game series this weekend. Carlos Carrasco is going to pitch tonight uh, in Miami. Carrasco is 7-2 and two with a 3-9-3 ERA. Uh, other news in baseball yesterday. How about the Philadelphia Phillies? They fired Joe Girardi, and since they have fired Joe Girardi, I believe they are eleven, uh, no, twelve and no, eleven and two. I was right the first time. Eleven and two since firing Joe Girardi. Uh, this is one of those cases where it looks like firing the manager might have been the right thing, uh, but uh, they absolutely pound. The Washington Nationals yesterday, uh, Zach Wheeler goes seven innings, four hits, just one run. Uh, picks up his sixth win of the season, lowers his ERA to 2.69. Uh, Patrick Corbin got absolutely drilled. He gave up nine runs, but only two of them were earned. A couple of errors in the field by the Washington Nationals. Kyle Schwarber, two home runs uh, against his old team. Schwarber's now got 18 home runs on the season, uh, and it's just uh, uh, just outside of the fact that they got Juan Soto back in the lineup uh, after a few days off, uh, that's about the only good news for the Washington Nationals. The worst news for the Nationals is that uh, th- that that was the first time that they have played the Philadelphia Phillies this year. Uh, they've got to play them 18 more times, and uh, it's not going to go well. Uh, because that is a very, very good Philadelphia Phillies team. Look, this is the Phillies team that we expected. It's the Phillies team. That's, that's why Joe Girardi got fired. When you've got talent like Schwarber and Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos, uh, the, uh, one of the best catchers or at least offensive catchers in baseball, and JT Realmuto, I mean, this team is loaded. Didi Gregorius, who's, by the way, has really bounced back. He's hitting 300 this season. This team is loaded. If they get the pitching from Wheeler and if Aaron Nola can stay healthy and uh, uh, Ranger Suarez can get back to the to the uh, uh, the form he had last year, um, you know, we're talking about the Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets fighting it out for this division title. Don't count out the Phillies. They're eight and a half back right now, but they're in a playoff position, and uh, they are going to be – uh, a very, very dangerous team, but a 10-1 win for the Phillies yesterday. Uh, late game last night. I watched the first part of this, but uh, I had to go to bed. The uh, The Angels beat the Seattle Mariners last night 4-1, to a win desperately needed for the Angels. They are still five games under five hundred. but Shohei Otani on the mound, six shutout innings, struck out six, walked two, only gave up three hits. Um, also had a couple of hits in the field, so uh, Shohei doing his thing. He's five and four on the mound now. Right, Rysel Iglesias picks up his thirteenth save. Uh, Mike Trout, couple of hits, uh, including a home run. He went two for four. Uh, now hitting two ninety four on the season, and uh, he's got eighteen home runs and thirty eight runs batted in on the year. Um, 
the Michael Lorenzen will take the mound for the Angels in the game this afternoon. Uh, he is going for his second straight victory. He is 6-3 and three on the season. And Robbie Ray, who's coming off his best start of the season, uh, he had that against the Red Sox. He threw seven shutout innings against them uh, earlier this week. Uh, he will take the mound for the Seattle Mariners tonight. Uh, let's see. The Padres win again. Padres beat the Cubs. Oh, my God. The Cubs are now 23-40. and 40. You know, the funny part is, is after the game yesterday um, when they lose, and Jed Hoyer, of course, the general manager, gets asked about David Ross, and he keeps, you know, saying his support. He said, I think he's doing a great job. He said, uh, our conversation is how to make guys better. And, and that, you know, that just goes to show you, again, David Ross is a guy that's um, beloved in Chicago. You just wonder how long that's going to play. At some point, you know, but uh, then again, you look at this Cubs lineup and you go, well, who, who are these guys? You know, with the exception of guys like Jason Hayward, uh, maybe uh, uh, Ian Happ, uh, most of these guys, you don't know who they are, you know, and that's part of your problem. And you guys got guys like Kyle Hendricks, who's taken the mound, uh, who's been a great pitcher for you over the years and is struggling with an ERA close to six. Uh, it's not hard to figure out why things have gone south. 11 hits for the Padres in this game, three of them by Manny Machado. He's now up to 328 on the season. couple of hits for Eric Hosmer. Uh, Nomar Mazzara with a couple of hits. So everybody getting in on it for the Padres. They are now 41-24 and uh, 24 on the season. They are a half a game ahead now of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who were idle yesterday. Four straight wins for the Padres, eight of their last ten and uh, they are now in first place in the National League West. Uh, Texas beats the Tigers yesterday. Ho-hum. Uh, the Tigers have now lost five straight. And in that five straight, they have been outscored 36-7. to They're averaging just 2.6 runs a game uh, on the season. And that is the worst by any team since World War II. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, Cleveland Guardians stayed hot. They beat the Rockies yesterday, four to two. The uh, Indians, uh, the Indians, the Guardians slash Indians have now won four in a row, uh, and uh, they are creeping up on a playoff spot as well. And uh, they are just two games behind the Minnesota Twins now on top of the AL Central. So how about that? Uh, but the Guardians got their hands full this week. They've got the Los Angeles Dodgers on a weekend series. Clayton Kershaw is going to pitch for the Dodgers tonight. Uh, he will take on. Zach Plesak. That is going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Hope you all have a great weekend. We're going to leave you this morning with some music by Larry Gatlin and the Gatlin Brothers. My wife and I are actually going to go see them perform uh, in August over in Franklin, North Carolina. Looking forward to that. Here's a little Houston. We'll see you on Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.